Welcome to my podcast. I'm the Laughing Philosopher. Life is complicated. You are complicated. Everything seems to have been figured out, except how to live a happy life guided by wisdom and reason. What does it mean to be a good person? What is love? Who am I before I was told who I am? Why haven't I found myself yet? Why do I have regrets? Is this a just world? Almost from the moment of birth, we've been told how to behave, how to fit in, and how to fulfill other people's expectations. We grow to fear that we will lack importance or cease to exist in the lives of others if we think for ourselves and question the rules and roles that we've been told define us. Only when wisdom and reason removes this illusion can we live authentically in the world around us and become our real selves. Episode number 44. Is democracy doomed? Democracy is like a river. You are a leaf on a river. It's not important for you to know where you're going. It's only important where the river is going. Democracy is like a carpet and you are blind. It's not important for you to know the color of every thread in the carpet. If the carpet is green, then every thread is green. What is the future of democracy? Is decision by the majority always democratic? Who kills Socrates? A democracy. Who elected Hitler? A democracy. Where does an ignorant person and a wise person have the same vote? A democracy. Why is Jesus Christ's perfect world, which he called the kingdom of heaven, not a democracy? Where is this river going? Democracy gives birth to oligarchy. Oligarchy gives birth to inequality. Inequality gives birth to equality. And equality leads to self-destruction and barbarism. History begins with the tribe on its knees before the throne of gods and ends with the individual on its knees in the voting booth. Let's make sense of this. Robert Michels, the political philosopher, said, who says organization 
says oligarchy. His iron law of oligarchy expresses how all social groups, regardless of how democratic they are, once achieved, eventually develop into an oligarchy. The elite few rule the anonymous many. Out of many, one, or two, or three. No social group can function purely as a direct democracy. Power ends up concentrated in the greedy hands of a few narcissistic individuals within the group. Elected, or anointed, or appointed, or otherwise self-selected to govern. Their clothes are clean, but their hands are dirty. The life history of all human groups, from the family, to the baseball team, from the factory, to society, demonstrates that the prevention of oligarchy and elimination of elite rule are impossible. Democracy is an illusion that only serves to pacify the majority and to legitimize the power of a particular elite. I wouldn't join a political party that would have me as a member or vote for anyone who wants to be elected. Bob Dylan sings, never could learn to drink that blood and call it wine. And so, oligarchy is the father of inequality. And this may seem self-contradictory and absurd, but in reality, inequality gives birth to equality. As society becomes more and more unequal, society then becomes more and more equal. Increasing inequality causes increasing equality. As society's valued resources, such as wealth, prestige, pleasure, and power, become more and more segregated in fewer and fewer persons, the have-nots grow in number as the have-lots diminish. For the have-lots, as their slice of the cake becomes larger and larger, the share of valued things owned, controlled, or otherwise influenced by the have-nots grows smaller and smaller. Society grows more unequal in the good things of life, but more equal in poverty and deprivation. When the top 1% own mostly everything, and the bottom 99% own mostly nothing, 
then society will be characterized by maximum inequality with maximum equality. So inequality, oligarchy's unintended consequence, is the strongest, most stable, and most durable of all social relationships. Equality is a weak, unstable, unpredictable, and risky form of relationship. Inequality, the superordinate to the subordinate relationship, sacrifices freedom in order to achieve organization and sacrifices individuality in order to achieve community. God may prefer freedom with the risk of disorder rather than control without freedom, but the majority neither desires nor aspires to think for itself and prefers to be told what to do. One is safe in the majority, but only if every individual is compelled to think, feel, and act in the same way. Not because the majority knows more than the individual. If you've read the Bible, then you know just as much about Jesus as the Pope. Not because you don't have doubts and uncertainties. I doubt, therefore, I am. But because your not knowing makes other people's made-up stuff feel a lot more true. And if your friends and neighbors in the tribe are also coerced to believe, then your uncertainties feel a lot less uncertain. If everyone is naked, then no one is. Away, alone, alast, aloved, Along the river run, past Eve and Adams, from swerve of shore to bend of bay, brings us by a commodious vicus of recirculation back to Howth Castle and environs. In this quotation from James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake, the word vicus is a reference to Giambattista Vico, the philosopher known for his circular history of human society. Thus, the quotation begins with the last sentence of James Joyce's book and ends with the first line on the first page of the book. Finnegan's Wake is a metaphor for society. Joyce's story is a circle. It has no beginning, no middle, 
and no end. It's like society, eternal. It's like God, uncreated, immortal. Society is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-good, just like God. God has no beginning and no end, just like society. Is it possible that society is God and God is society? Is it possible that you, the individual, feeling coerced and compelled by something outside yourself, incorrectly believe that you have experienced something supernatural, when in fact it was something else, society, and God is nothing more than a case of mistaken identity. Society, like God, is eternal, and therefore beyond life and death. Society dictates social roles and rules of behavior and exerts great pressure on the individual to obey and to conform. Just like God, society punishes freedom and individuality and rewards rule following and role playing. Just like God. Vico taught that all societies evolve in the same way and that human history can be divided into three stages. The age of gods, the age of heroes, and the age of the common man. The final stage of development leads to the fragmentation of society self-destruction, a return to barbarism, and to the rebirth of a God-centered society. The end of the world is the beginning, and the beginning is the end. Society begins for you at the moment of birth when you are created, and for the rest of your life, Society is just there, every moment, all the time, in an everlasting present that never ends, just like God. Listen to T.S. Eliot. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. In the age of gods, the individual projects its fears and affections onto nature. The thundering sky is the huge menacing body of an angry giant, threatening violence and death, larger and more powerful than the individual's own naked and defenseless body with no shelter from the storm, wind, and lightning. As society matures 
and rules of all kinds become necessary to establish, protect, and maintain social order. God becomes an important and powerful mechanism of conformity and social control. You are not alone. You are never alone. God is everywhere. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. You can't hide from God. He's going to find out who's naughty. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good or else you're being watched. So you'd better watch out. Human nature is not immutable. Human nature evolves. Ancient people think, feel, and act in a completely different way from postmodern society. The world doesn't change. We do. Montaigne said, Man is certainly stark mad. He cannot make a worm, and yet he will be making gods by the dozen. The age of heroes is dominated by conflict and oppression. The hero needs many enemies and many servants. Force and violence reign. The right of the stronger is the chief cornerstone of legitimacy. The twin pillars of society are the relationship between enemies fighting and risking life and death, and the relationship between master and servant. The duel, a fight between two heroes, is a metaphor for the heroic age. The value of a person is proven in battle. Inequality in the relationship between husband and wife is normal and expected. Women do not have the same nature as men. Tenderness toward children and love of women are alien and dysfunctional to the heroes of society. James Joyce said, first we feel, then we fall. The age of the common man sees the flowering of human reason. In the age of gods, humanity fears and obeys an invisible, inscrutable, giant spy in the sky. In the age of heroes, the powerful command the powerless through unquestioned rules and ideals of behavior. But in the age of the common man, force of logic and argument replace physical force. 
anything can be and will be questioned. We are all equal in reason and rationality. All of the sacred truths and core defining values of society are open to pitiless scrutiny. There are no moral and immoral phenomena, only moral and immoral interpretations of phenomena. And as the glue of society weakens, there is no possibility of consensus. Society flies apart like the splinters of an exploding cross. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dim tide is loosed. And everywhere, the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. From the Second Coming by William Butler Yeats. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, a film by John Ford, portrays this transition between the heroic age and the age of the common man. When reason and force exist contemporaneously, reason overcomes force. The movie portrays the transition as tragedy, but it is a victory. Once reason and argument have overcome fact and force, the result is that ideals of what is right and wrong are subordinated to slippery notions of what is legal and illegal. Vico describes the return to barbarism in this way. Like so many beasts, people have fallen into the custom of each man thinking only of his own private interests and have reached the extreme pride in which, like wild animals, they bristle and lash out at the slightest displeasure. Private interests lead to a civil war in which everyone betrays everyone else in an orgy of greed and selfishness. And when the war of all against all is over, humanity returns to where it started, the lone individual 
acting solely on his own individual passions and in his own personal interests. And the grass grows in the streets. God's heroes, you. The life cycle of the individual mirrors the life history of society. Ontogeny recapitulates phylogeny. As a child, you were compelled to obey the gods, but you abandoned the gods and chose to love and worship heroes. Are you ready to go all the way? It's the only good fight left, and there is no victory like it. Kierkegaard instructed his heirs to inscribe his gravestone with two words only. The individual. Are you ready to think and reason for yourself? If you're ready to walk through fire, go all the way or don't even start. All that you can be, you ought to be, you deserve to be, and you have a right to be. Greater is the individual in you than the unthinking majority in the herd. Is democracy doomed? James Joyce said, a hundred cares, a tithe of troubles, and is there one who understands me? Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Corey, the Laughing Philosopher. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I've devoted my professional life to the intersection of sociology and philosophy, where the contemporary problems of life meet the ideas and convictions of the greatest human minds. Join me by subscribing to The Laughing Philosopher as we use reason and wisdom to explore big answers to the most important of all big questions, how to live.